It's always fun to start a new book. Judges chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord. Now, there's a beautiful thought. The people of Israel inquired of the Lord. They didn't say, where's Joshua's successor? They recognized God was their king. See, we, we live in a world where everybody talks about successors. But you have to understand, God is the king. God is the pastor. So what you do is you inquire of the Lord. When there needs to be a change of leadership, you inquire of the Lord. We could put a little note up here. How leadership is changed. This is up to God, not up to us. Who should go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. And Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into the territory allotted to me, that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with you to the territory allotted to you. So Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they defeated 10,000 of them at Bazak. And they found Adonai. Adonai means Lord. Lord, The Lord Bazak. They found the Lord Bazak at Bazak and fought against him and defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Adonai Bazak fled. But they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his big toes. Adonai Bazak said, 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. Now notice, we don't ever find this happening to any of the other kings. But this guy reaped what he sowed. This is what he did to 70 kings. He cut off their thumbs and their big toes, and now it happened to him. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. The men of Judah fought against Jerusalem and captured it and struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And afterward, the men of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who lived in the hill country in the Negev and in the lowland. And Judah went up against the Canaanites who lived at Hebron. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Abra. And they defeated Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. And from there they went up against the inhabitants of Deber. The name of Deber was formerly Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb, said, and Caleb said, He who attacks Kiriath Sefer and captures it, I will give him Aksha, my daughter, for a wife. And Othaniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, captured it and gave him Aksha, his daughter, for a wife. And she came to him and urged him to ask her father for a field. And she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you want? And she said, Give me a blessing. Since you have set me in the land of the Negev, give me also springs of waters. Now the Negev is dry, all right? He said, Now since you've given me dry land, give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. And the descendants of the Canaanite, Moses' father-in-law, went up with the people of Judah from the city of Palms into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the Negev near Arad. And they went and settled with the people. Now notice, the descendants of the Canaanite, Moses' father-in-law. So these people, were he was still with. That family was still with the people of Israel. And Judah went with Simeon, his brother. Now notice, they, they, didn't, they didn't try to drive off. They didn't try to drive off the family of Moses after Moses died. They kept that family of Moses and gave them an inheritance among the people. 
And Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they defeated the Canaanites who inhabited Zephah and devoted it to destruction. So the name of the city was called Hormah. Judah also captured Gaza with its territory and Ashkelon with its territory and Ekron with its territory. And the Lord was with Judah. That is a great thought. The Lord was with Judah. When God is with you, folks, miracles happen. And he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. So, all right, notice the presence does not always equal success. Now, usually it does, but sometimes you've got to come up with some other things. And Hebron was given to Caleb, as Moses had said, and he drove out from there three sons of Anak, three giants. But the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. Now, I want you to notice something very beautiful here, because you've got to get a hold of this, because God said, if you don't drive people out, they're going to be thorns and thistles. Now, I want you to notice that they, the men of Judah conquered Jerusalem. All right, let's come back up to the verse. Now I can't find it. We'll find it here in a second. You can help me find it. Shout it out to me. They fought, they pursued the 70 king. Here's Jerusalem. They captured it and struck it and set the city on fire. So, in other words, these people had already conquered Jerusalem, but they didn't drive the Jebusites out. They conquered it, but they didn't clean it out. All right, now, did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. And David had to go and reconquer the city. Now, here's a truth that you need to get a hold of. Victory, then clean, then long-term peace. Now, now, some of you, you've won some victories in your life over sin, over whatever. But you don't completely clean things out of your life. You, you leave things there. You allow things to live with the people. You allow things to live there. You allow things to live in your life that don't belong in your life. And then one day you have to go fight the battle all over again. Learn that when God gives you a victory, clean it all out and keep it out. Otherwise, you're going to fight the same battle again. There's a great truth there, all right? This required a second battle with David. And it's their fault. They didn't clean it out. The house of Joseph also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And the house of David scouted out Bethel. Now, that is the city was no form... The name of the city was formerly Luz. And the spies saw a man coming out of the city. And they said to him, please show us the way into the city, and we will deal kindly with you. And he showed him the way into the city. And they struck the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and all his family go. And the man went into the land of the Hittites and built a city and called its name Luz. That is its name to this day. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean, and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Daor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Ebliam and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. For the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. Now notice, did not drive out. 
Remember Bashan? Later that became the city that killed Jonathan and Saul and hung their bodies, headless bodies, on the wall of their city. Notice that whenever they did not drive people out, they, they won the victory, but they didn't drive out the inhabitants. They let, they let the people who didn't belong there continue to live among them. Later, it required more battles. Now, this is the truth that you're going to see repetitively, and you need to see it in your own life. Things that God has given you the victory over, but you don't completely drive it out. You, you leave it laying around. When I was a young man, I used to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day and a pipe. And I had, I had some really nice pipes as a young man. I mean, I had my little Sherlock Holmes. I had a big Sherlock Holmes. I mean, I had some really expensive pipes. And I loved smoking my pipes. But when I got saved, I did not leave any of that stuff around. I took all that stuff and it went away. Removed it completely from my life. Why? Because if you leave it around, because, you know, that's worth some money, you know, that, that, that's, that, that costs money. If you leave things around later, you'll be fighting the same battle again. When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not drive them out completely. This is why they kept having to fight with the Canaanites. And Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites lived in Gezer among them. Zebulun, now notice, we keep finding the same thing, did not drive out. Ephraim did not drive out. And Zebulun did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of Nahalol. So the Canaanites lived among them and became subject to forced labor. And Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Akko or the inhabitants of Sidon or Holab or Axleb or Helba or Ahit or Rohab. So the Asherites lived among the Canaanites. Now notice. The Asherites lived among. So it's not the Canaanites living among the Asherites. Now it's the Asherites living among the Canaanites. Okay? So it, they were the minority. Now these other groups, they were the majority, but here they're the minority. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anath. So they lived among the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became subject to forced labor for them. And the Amorites pressed the people of Dan back into the killed country, for they did not allow them to come down to the plain. The Amorites persisted in dwelling in Mount Heres, Ajalon, and Sha'alblim. But the hand of the house of Joseph rested heavily upon them, and they became subject to forced labor. And the board of the Amorites ran from the ascent of Akrabim from Salah upward. Now, again, keep noticing, did not drive out, did not drive out. When God gives you the victory over something, clean it out completely. Never leave remnants of it around you because, oh, it's worth money or, oh, I feel compassion. Clean it out completely. You leave the remnants of sin around your life. And brothers and sisters, you'll be fighting the same battle again. Never, just put that in big letters. Never leave. the remnants of sin around in life. Just never leave it there. One day you'll fight the same battle again. Judges chapter 2, verse 1. Now the angel of the Lord, now that's cool, the angel of the Lord. That's the pre-incarnate Christ. Notice the angel, okay? It didn't say an angel, it said the angel. That's the pre-incarnate Christ. 
went up from Gilgal to book him. And he said, I brought you, now I brought you, this is God talking. I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Notice, I, 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 this is God talking to them. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So this is God's response Two did not drive out. This is God's response to that. So now I say, I will not drive them out before you. He said, there was a time, okay? <laughs> there was a season to do this. He said, I will not drive them out before you, but they should become thorns in your sides and their God should be a snare to you. Now, now get a hold of that truth. There are seasons that God asks you to clean something out and he'll help you in that season. But when you ignore him and maybe you think that you're wiser or you're more compassionate or you're more loving and you don't clean those things out, God won't help you clean them out in the future. There are seasons when God is working with you to do things and you have to do those things in that season. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of that place Bochim, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of his land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance at Tineth Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all that generation were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them that did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. Now that is scary. Beloved, somehow... You've always got to make sure that the next generation knows God. You know, you don't let your kids go to church or not go to church because of what they want. You don't let them just make their own spiritual decisions. If they live in your house, they go to church with you. You've got to make sure that the next generation at least has the opportunity to know the Lord and to know what God has done. They need to see the miracles of God. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. the world. 
Testament passage today picks up in Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 26. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the hill country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. (laughs) 
Have you ever just sat down and thought what the rest of Simon's life was like after this? Now, on that day, he might have been very angry because he didn't know what was going on. He might have been very upset that he was abused by these Roman oppressors, not knowing that he was carrying the cross of Messiah. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, we don't know what God is doing. So maybe complain a little less. Amen? <laughs> okay. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. And turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and wombs that never bore and breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Oh, my goodness, beloved. Two things I want you to notice there. The love of Jesus in the midst of pain. You know, they say that when you squeeze people, that's when you find out who they really are. In hard times, people reveal the truth of their hearts. You squeeze a mango and out comes the mango juice. You squeeze a lemon and out comes lemon juice. You squeeze just Jesus and out comes love. You just, the pain he must have been in with the skin ripped off his back, severe blood loss, going into shock, knowing he's going to the cross and the pain is about to increase even more. His heart is for these people that he sees their future and their future sufferings. So the first thing I want you to see is the love of Jesus in the midst of pain. The second thing I want you to see is this truth here. If they, referring to the Jewish leaders, if they do these things when the wood is green, what will they do when it is dry? If they do these things when these are times of life, what are they going to do in the next season when it's not a time of life? Brothers and sisters, please forgive me, but when people do horrible things in good days, they're going to do worse things in bad days. Just remember that. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place called the skull, because it looks like a skull, they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing, and they cast lots to divide his garments. Now notice, forgive them, they, they. He's praying for the soldiers. He's not praying a prayer for universal salvation for all mankind. And that's what I've heard people try to say out of this. This is, everybody is saved, doesn't matter from what goes on. Jesus died on the cross, so from that point forward, everybody is saved. You can live like a demon. Everybody's going to heaven. Universal salvation. That's not at all what Jesus was praying. Forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing, and they cast lots to divide his garments. That's referring to the soldiers. They were just doing a job. And the people stood by watching, but other rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. Now notice, people stood by. They were quiet. But rulers scoffed. 
You know how Proverbs says that a rich man enters harshly, but a poor man enters sweetly? Well, he, here's, here's the arrogance coming out again. The soldiers also mocked him and coming up offered him some sour wine and saying, if you are the king of Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was, ha- who was hanged railed at him. Now, this idea of railed at him, he's just going off. He's just, ah, I mean, he's just go, rail is just, I mean, he's just going off on Jesus. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. He's just, he's just going off on Jesus. But the other rebuked him, okay? The other criminal rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God? Have you no respect for God? Since you were under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. All right, so this man has true repentance. This man's not trying to deny anything. We're receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And Jesus said, truly. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you today, you, not your companion, but you will be with me in paradise. That man, because of true repentance on the cross, that man went to heaven with Jesus that day. That's amazing. And now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus calling out in a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And notice, they didn't kill Jesus. He gave up his life. He chose when to die. He chose when to lay down his life. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. Now, even a rough Roman soldier, a centurion, a man in charge of another hundred soldiers, when he saw the death of Jesus, he began to praise God. Amazing. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man. He had not consented with their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. Wow. And notice five truths about this man. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. So he was there at the illegal trial of Jesus in Caiaphas' house. He was there for the legal trial before Jesus at, at, the, uh, at the Sanhedrin at the stone chamber. He was there when they brought him before Pilate. He saw all of this. But he was a good and a righteous man and had not consented with their decision and their actions. He said, no, no, I'm not a part of this. No, this, is, this is wrong. This is just wrong. He went to Pilate and asked for the body. You can call him a secret follower. He went to Pilate and asked for the body, and he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. That's why the tomb was so close to Golgotha. It's 
I mean, it's literally a two-minute walk, all right? Now, one of the things I want you to see here about secret followers, at some point, secret followers have to come out really bold. Secret followers must come out bold. He actually goes to Pilate. I mean, he's got his whole name and future and life on the line now. He went to Pilate and asked for the body. This is a very public, very bold, I'm with Jesus. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. And on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandments. So notice, even though Jesus had died and his body had not yet been prepared for burial, he'd just been wrapped up in a linen cloth, they got things together, but they still did what Jesus taught. And they honored the Sabbath day and kept it holy. Now you begin to understand the significance of he was anointed with oil for burial before his death. Now you understand what the woman did in the house of Simon the leper. And now you understand how well Jesus had taught those who followed him. That even after he died, and even though they wanted to do something for him, they still honored the Sabbath day and kept it holy. That's amazing stuff. All right, just that's amazing. They obeyed. They obeyed the Sabbath in spite of all they wanted to do for Jesus. Now, just a little bit more today as we finish up in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 20, beginning with verse 21. <laughs> An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Parents, don't, don't turn over too much too fast. Just don't do it. Let the kids learn to earn their way. An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord. He will deliver you. Now, now brothers and sisters, look at it from NLT. Do not say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Now, that, that is an absolute beautiful truth. Let me pull this up a little higher so you can see it better. That is an absolute beautiful truth that you just need to get a hold of. There's a lot of things that people do to us in life that really hurt and are really wrong. Don't make up your mind to get even. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get even with this person. You know what? There's a lot of people that are going to do a lot of mean, evil things to you in life. Leave it to God. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Be a little patient. God will handle this. And when God handles it, it'll be handled. All right? So sometimes you just have to wait for the Lord. Verse 23, unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord, and false scales are not good. This is called cheating. Okay, when people have double standards. A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can a man understand his way? New living. The Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? <laughs> now, forgive me. That's one of those verses I look at and I go, God, you know me. I like to figure everything out. And you know what? Sometimes I just have to sit down and go, I don't get it. A man's steps are from the Lord. The Lord directs the steps. 
The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. I mean, so often in the scripture, this truth is taught. Sometimes, beloved, and I'm not fatalistic, please, but sometimes, beloved, we just have to, all right, I really don't understand things right now, but you know what? I'm not even going to try. I'm going to trust God. My steps are ordered of the Lord. And I trust you, Lord. And sometimes you'll just see me sit in my office when I see things that just confuse me. Because you got to understand, my brain is weird. I want to figure everything out. I'm like a dog chewing on a bone. I need to understand things. It does. If it doesn't make sense to me, I, I, I want to just penetrate it until it makes sense. And sometimes I've just had to learn with my Heavenly Father. Father, I trust you. I don't get all this right now, but I believe that my steps are ordered of the Lord. And Lord, I trust you. And beloved, you know what? That's a good place to be because you can trust the Father. The last verse. It is a snare to say rashly it is holy and to reflect only later after taking vows. New living. Do not trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. When you make a vow to God, when you make a promise to God, you keep it, okay? We keep our promises to God. We keep those promises. We don't, we don't ever just, no, no, no. We, we don't go that way. We want God to keep his promises with us, and we keep our promises with him. So, so don't ever trap yourself by making a rash promise. When people come to me and they say, you know, Pastor, if God will do this for me, I'm going to do this. I said, no, don't say that yet. Don't make a vow until unless you really, really consider it. Because when you make a vow to the Lord, he expects you to keep it. Okay. He expects you to keep it, whatever the cost. He expects you to keep it. We're vow keepers. We're promise keepers. Amen. All right. We're going to see you tonight, seven o'clock sharp. We're going to be back into the book of Romans again. We'll see you tonight.